0: and Todd is the superintendent of Lake Tahoe Unified School District. Welcome to the podcast, Todd.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Looking
0: yeah, forward great. to it. Yeah, to getting to know you a bit and hearing some of your story. First of all, uh, we have listeners who, we actually have a lot of educators, and but they're all around the world. So I love, um, I'd love, i love for you just to give a little bit of an insight, uh, not only for them, but for those listeners who are, you know, I've never been involved in education. Uh, tell us a bit about the the school district and about uh, you know your role. What do you do as superintendent?
1: Great. Uh, well, you know what? I uh, Lake Tahoe Unified School District, which I'm just coming upon my end of my second year as the superintendent here in Lake Tahoe uh, School District, is in South Lake Tahoe, which um, if you know the South Lake Tahoe area, uh, as soon as you cross the border at Nevada, you've got the casinos, um, but that's not our district. We're on California side, and really, we have the entire basin. If you um, in the area of, of South Lake, all the way around. If you knew the area, Emerald Bay, and, and for those that have you know, visited Lake Tahoe, no Emerald Bay, that's kind of the barrier one way, and then to the um, Sierra Mountains that uh, that uh, that we're living in. If you cross over them. To towards Sacramento, then you leave our district. So it's a very large kind of mountainous area in the trees with a big lake, um, ski resorts. We have we have approximately thirty seven hundred students, um, K twelve or TK twelve, and actually now pre K twelve, and uh, with, so we have four elementary schools. Um, A middle school, a a large middle school, a a comprehensive high school, an alternative high school, and then we have a, which we started actually when I first got here, a digital environment school called Elevated. Um, That's a TK uh, twelve school. So that's that's what we run. That's what our gamut of our district. We have um, a very diverse population. Oftentimes, when people think about our district in South Lake Tahoe, they think, oh, Lake Tahoe, very rich uh, area. Um, well, in the city of South Lake, how much of the workers for all of our um, tourism industry live here? And and actually, we we have over sixty percent of our student population lives in poverty. Um, over forty five percent Latino, and over twenty five percent Spanish speakers, um, and so they're English learners. And so that 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 diversity, um, and we have some of the wealthiest in the area as well. So so extreme one end to another, it creates. Mm. A, uh, a, a nice dynamic of, of population, but also some real uh, challenge that we face. Um, so that's, that's our district. It's a, it's a beautiful place. I'm I'm sitting outside looking at the blue skies and the trees. Uh, <laughs> um, we just had snow last, last Sunday. So it's nice that we're about 70 degrees today and no snow. So, <laughs> uh, but that's, so hopefully, that, hopefully that helps you a little bit, uh, know where we are. Uh, but again, this beautiful South Lake tile, California.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, for, thank you for filling us in. Um, so let's jump into your story, Todd. I'd love to start with your childhood. Growing up,
1: what yeah, were some yeah. of the
0: moments from that season of your life that really shaped you into the person you are today?
1: You know, I, I got to tell you, so I grew up actually up here in Lake Tahoe, but um, on the Nevada side. And uh, so I grew up in this beautiful region, um, spent basically from age 12 but born in las vegas nevada moved here when i was two and, and stayed here through uh, age 18. what's really interesting about me and sometimes people that i say this to they go yeah no you're that's not you i was really a bashful shy child um and i remember i remember a story mm. that i tell i mean i remember experience is how i should say it mm. when we were stopping by the mcdonald's here on uh, Lake Tahoe Boulevard and my dad finally said, no, I'm not ordering for you, you're gonna go order. And the fear I had going up to order my, um, you know, uh, filet chicken or whatever, you know, the filet of fish, that's what I used to love as a kid, right, and and why I share that is because I realized this really young child that I was kind of timid and fearful of, of interacting with people. On the flip side of it, I was a really um, competitive athlete as a child, and and um, that was my world. I competed um, all sports. Um, I was really successful in sports, and 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 so uh, putting away my shyness, it was sports that drove me. Um, I never thought of myself as smart. I I, I always was insecure about. Um, Was I smart enough to go to college? Was I going to be able to be successful? I think mostly because I was a little bit of a slow reader. So it took me more time to read the material and understand the material. But I think with the athletics, um, it pushed me through. Uh, And I will tell you at a really pretty young age, I realized I had to put myself in uncomfortable situations to push through just a little bit of of discomfort um, in the social environment. And uh, so as a child, I was, I was uh, um, driven by athletics. Uh, I'm, I'm a, th- a th- child of, uh, I'm a third. So I've got an older brother who passed actually and an older sister. Um, what was interesting about that part of my childhood, which I think is important to the, to the leadership journey is, you know, my, my sister, uh, basically a seventies kid lived the seventies disco life. And I think may have been. Overall a little bit of a disappointment to, to my parents. Now, when I say overall, I mean they love my, my daughter my sister and and but but there was my sister and then there was my brother. Um, so my sister's seven years older than me, my brother was five years older than me. Um, and my brother being gay, and especially when you think back in the uh, late seventies into the eighties, yeah, um, you know, very tough times. So mm-hmm. <laughs> excuse me, why I share that is that there was a lot of pressure put on me from my parents to be something, right? You know, okay, this is their third child and you know, there was a lot of pressure. Yeah, and matter of fact, um, my parents also I think were really tired of celebrating birthdays and hiding Easter eggs and having to be all of those things. And so celebrations in my my youth were really very limited. now, I don't say that to feel bad about it. It's just kind of as a part of the story that I think is important because I just competed athletics and and it was about being as good as I could possibly be and make my dad proud and, and go to college and, and go play college football and be successful. And so there was this piece where it was like, all of a sudden, I was this as a third child, kind of this is going to be their golden child by parents um there was this pressure to have to perform and this pressure to have to be something uh greater than maybe i was really meant to be i guess and, and maybe at that point in my life mm. so that's i guess that's a picture because when i think about there's, there's there's so many little intricate pieces to all of us and our childhood yeah and I've, and I've spent a lot of time thinking about those pieces and elements
0: absolutely do you, do you remember when i hear that around um that pressure to um do you remember when like uh, was there a point in your life where you were able to well firstly do you remember when you realized that existed and do you remember when you sort of had an epiphany or an aha moment for yourself to go oh okay maybe i don't have to maybe i can just do my best and, and that's okay
1: I think I realized it in high school, um, and I think that that the the when I'd perform really well, and I'd come home, and my father would not talk about the performances that were good that day, but kind of pick at what wasn't. and And I got to tell you, I didn't take it wrong, but what I realized was, oh, there's a lot of pressure here to really be something better than whatever. I, mean, I don't know what to, what to explain it to. I realized it then. Now, when I did, I realize maybe there's, I, I don't have to worry about being all of that. No, that came many years later. I'm going to tell you, uh, I felt pressure to, I felt, felt pressure to be something beyond what anybody would think of me being for many, many years. Um, I real. I mean, when I talk about my career and when we get there and not to jump ahead on you, but when I started teaching, I thought, well, why can't I be the principal? And I became a very young principal. And I, when I became a principal, I said, well, why can't I be the superintendent? And I became a very young superintendent. Mm. And, and, and then I had some hard times that fell and started to realize it's not about you know saying i'm this or doing that it's more about what you accomplish i um, in on that journey and with why you're doing it but uh, there was a long time there that it was just driven by you know doing good work i don't want to ever discount that i mean i as an educator right doing good work for kids right that's always been important to me but on the flip side of it accomplishment and success was was a have to that make sense
0: yeah, it does because I think um, sometimes things from uh, once again, like you said, from from childhood, they're not they're not all um, negatives as well. It's 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 what shapes you to be the person you are. It creates resilience. It creates a drive. But um, there's this idea of balconies and basements that I really love, which is you know. <laughs> where there's and so the balcony was you had this great perspective which a lot of people who come on the podcast I think um, have struggled with that to actually realize maybe I could be the principal or the superintendent or maybe I could be the CEO so it gave you that advantage but then once you're in those roles then the basement of that is going well, wait a second um, what's it what's it really about and let's make sure my rudder is but why? necessarily to achieve another role it's it's like at some point i need to be okay with a, a
1: deeper mission or the bigger picture maybe that's exactly right you, you hit it on the nail right there mm-hmm. right on the head of the nail
0: so i really appreciate you sharing that um at, when you think back todd if we if we go back to you growing up and as a teenager and, and with like you said really a lot of sports. Do you remember one of your first leadership opportunities? Maybe it was a teenager. Maybe it was when you were a bit older. You really had that deep end experience of having to lead a group of people or own a project or cast a vision for something. Do you remember what, what was one of your first real um, in the deep end sort of leadership
1: opportunities? Um, you know, it's interesting. I think that, that when you asked me that, I think that there's different layers of leadership opportunities, right? Because because I was good in athletics, I was always the captain. Right. And and like as a football player in high school, I was the quarterback and, you know, um, and the quarterback kind of runs the offense. And so I was a captain and, and I had that leadership role and it was, and to me it was somewhat natural to take on that role. When I went to college, um, and I played college football, uh, it was interesting because I had been in this small town and been the star athlete and always in charge in essence of in leadership. And now I was playing college football. And I want you to recall that I said I was a little shy. I found myself not necessarily feeling um, totally comfortable in a leadership in having to stand out and take charge. And I found myself being a, in the leader in me, which was the same as I was in, in, in high school, though, I was more vocal because I was the quarterback, whatever it might be. When I was in college, it was, I will be a leader by example. I will I will work, I will work harder than anybody. I will demonstrate hard work. I will, I will be make good decisions and good choices. I won't put myself in a bad place. And that's how I'll be that role model and leader to others. And, and, and so when, when you had asked me like when's that time where, where I took like I took leadership and all of a sudden was leading a group, it was always through athletics. And it was always through that process. Um, but the trigger of change when it wasn't just athletics really was when I was, and I was an all-American football player, <laughs> and I started getting asked to... to Well, I was doing internships and things for my bachelor's degree to be a teacher. And I started getting asked, hey, will you speak to our kids? Will you come talk about hard work? Will you come speak at at these pieces? And I started to realize when I did that, that the the power uh, of leadership and the power of influence through, through, through leadership. So I think I probably in my early stages, besides it just being you're the captain of a football team or you're the... Or, or you're, you know, you're, you're kind of being that example. Was really stepping out, and now being asked to, to talk with kids and, 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 and talk about uh, experience and hard work. So that's when I think I started to realize what real leadership uh, and what that means and what leadership means is. Mm.
0: Yeah. No, that's great. I, I appreciate you sharing that.
1: Across your career,
0: interested to know who have been. Some of the mentors. Who are some of the people who've had the biggest influence on your leadership, Todd?
1: Oh, you know, I always say first my father, right? His high expectations and and his uh, his his expect expectations of of hard work and performance and success really shaped <coughs> that early stage of my 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 life. I would tell you, I had some coaches. Um, both in high school and in college, that uh, really were were influential in in my thinking. Um, but you know what's interesting? When I think about college, and I remember going off to college, and I was scared about not being successful because I never was confident in my my um, uh, academic world. And I got a tutor as a first year college athlete. And what's so funny when when I think about it? that person was one of the first most influential leaders to me because it wasn't, she didn't care about me as the athlete. She cared about me being a student. She cared about me, you know, being successful in that world and, and realized, you know, you're really pretty smart. So you, you know, you, 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 this isn't about being an athlete. It's about being utilizing your, your skills and your talents that are, you know, up inside your mind and your brain. And, and so she was one of those first influential leaders. I think when I started teaching, um, I had a few principals and specifically one man and his name's Wayne Tanaka out of Las Vegas. He took me under his wing and, and he he said, he said, you're, you're a leader. You're, you're a future uh, educator that's leading folks. And, um, and I remember when I was, I was a teacher. I was, as a matter of fact, a football coach at Clark high school in Las Vegas. And he, he, uh, he'd call me in and he'd he'd just have me sit and watch him work and one day he called me in and uh and he says hey you're ready i said what he says no you're ready i said what am i ready for he said you're ready to lead educators he says you're ready to lead schools i said oh okay well what's the difference he said you, you just had your first daughter you'll now understand parents um, and I re- I'll never forget that because it was like he he had he had taken me under his wing and he said, hey, you're a leader. You're you're the future. You're one of the future leaders of our of our organization, and our development and, 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 and being part of, you know, making differences in the world of kids and communities. Um, and then that acknowledgement of, OK, now you're ready um, was really powerful for me because. I will tell you within the next two years, I was an administrator after, after that conversation.
0: Yeah. That's a wonderful story because it's one thing to see that in somebody, but to actually acknowledge it. And and I think the great reminder for me from that story is we, I I know I always assume at some level that people know that about themselves, whatever, whatever I see in them, you just, I I think it's easy to just assume, well, they must see that, but uh, that's, reminder that um, he actually took that time and created the space to say you're ready now and here's and here's why and that obviously affected you and helped you to really go on that trajectory to be a couple years
1: you know I, I you absolutely and I think that we don't realize how important it is that we tell people what we see be specific about it, and help them see it. Because oftentimes, I think there is those insecurities, or or people just don't realize that maybe they have a skill set that they they could take advantage of that could be really quite successful. Um, I got to tell you, I've taken a lot of pride in my career over helping people identify that um, and and helping them move their career in a direction to be a leader, to to make a difference at a at a grander scale. Um, and if we don't do that, then we're not developing and promoting leadership like we need to. So I, yeah, I, it's really powerful. Wayne Tanaka was that, I think that final trigger for me to be, okay, I now know the direction of of my career and my life. Now there's, it was still early and, and, and there's still, and there was so much journey and there's so much journey after, after this conversation with him and starting that that administrative career but but uh but it was really a trigger it really was
0: so give us a bit of a on there of your career trajectory and the different roles you had just a bit of an uh, overview of, of how you ended up doing what you're doing now todd
1: yeah you know what it's it's been a journey i'm, I'm going to do it really fast for you and then we can go back and look at it right so i became a dean of students in, in the clark county school district in las vegas um and didn't do it long because i all of a sudden got a call and somebody said hey come be the principal of Virginia city high school, Virginia city's up outside of Reno, Nevada, a little tiny town. And I was the principal of Virginia city high school. Well, I went there. Politics were quite interesting. I was 28 years old when I got there as a high school principal. um, And the superintendent was getting run out. And so I was a little nervous. And so I got a call and said, Hey, come work for me as the assistant principal of Fernley high school in Fernley, Nevada. So I went and did that. And, um, and did that for a couple of years, and then I had a daughter that was starting a kindergarten, and I was kind of burned out at high school already. I mean just it, it just was fast and furious, and I went to the superintendent said I had like to be considered for the principalship <coughs> excuse me of of my daughter's elementary school, and he said, "I think you'd be great. And I ended up getting the job, and I was an elementary principal for five years in the midst of that. Well, by the way, when I was in Vegas, I finished my master's degree. And then when I was a principal at Cottonwood, I also started my doctorate degree. Um, and I was teaching college classes for the University of Phoenix and some other organizations. And and, uh, and was just really loved the influence I was having. Um, I, many of my teachers were in my program. We were developing leaders. Um in '06, I got an opportunity to, well, in 06, I should have been finishing my doctorate and I decided to run for the mayor of Fernley, Nevada. Town was about 20,000 people. It had grown from like 5,000. just did about five years. It was going crazy. I ended up being the mayor, <coughs> excuse me, of uh, Fernley, Nevada. And, <laughs> and I just, des- and I decided that I couldn't be the principal of the, in a school in the town that I was the mayor. So I took a job with the state of Nevada and I was coaching. My job, my job title was School Improvement Analyst Administrative Coach. And so what I did was I went into schools that were failing AYP, adequate yearly progress, um, not, accomplishing, not successfully accomplishing their WASC, um, their, their, their high school accreditation. And I, we, we trained administrators. That's what we did. And we trained uh, aspiring administrators. We trained new administrators. We trained aspiring district administrators. And I did that with some retired superintendents. It was really powerful. In 09, they cut, the, pro- they cut the, the program and I didn't have a job. And I'd finished my doctorate and I thought, you know what, I'm gonna get a superintendency. Well, there are not very many superintendencies in Nevada. And so I looked to California and got my first superintendency in a town called Susanville, at Lassen Union High School District. Did that three years, my family was really isolated. So I took a job as the deputy superintendent in Rockland uh, Unified, (coughs) excuse me, in the Sacramento Valley, was not a good fit. Eventually took uh, the superintendency of Winters Joint Unified School District in the Sacramento Valley, did that five years. And then my wife and I had said, we weren't gonna go anywhere unless it was going back to my home area. And Lake Tahoe Unified School District opened up and I grew up up here in South Lake Tahoe, of course, on the Nevada side. And I applied and became the superintendent of Lake Tahoe Unified in 2020. So that's the fast and furious journey over <laughs> my administrative career.
0: Wow, what an incredible yeah. journey! Uh, <laughs> as you said, doing a dive back into it along the way. Uh, can you can you? T- Moments or seasons that really stand out as massive learning curves or uh, I love the question that um, Tim Ferriss asks around favorite things that at the time you'd never wish on anyone else, but you look back and go, that actually taught me so much. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Any stories come to mind? Oh
1: boy. i tell you what, there are some stories and, and, uh, but one very large one that's, that shaped me in the past, uh, eight years or so. Um, when I went to, to Rockland Unified School District, it was not a good fit for me. Um, a very affluent community uh, just wasn't interested in, in ch- changing much and doing much different. Um, felt like it was doing already pretty well and, and we just didn't jive. And so it was a tough, tough, tough couple of years and I had decided that uh, I was gonna move on and I got another superintendent job. And in the midst of getting that other superintendent job, the teacher association um, wasn't involved with the hiring process and decided to try to to um, find find dirt on the person that the board had hired. And they found some people to badmouth me and and talk crap about me. And and they they in the end got the board to back out of hiring me. And um, and it was a bad piece because it was in the newspaper and it was like they made all these false accusations. And I found myself kind of down and out. Of I I had left Rockland. I had now not got this job, and and it was a really hard time. And I remember not to tell say much too much about it, just other than it was really challenging because you here you find yourself a person that's worked so hard in your career, and because of politics and and people's intent to control or maneuver or manipulate, you find yourself on the wrong side of something. And, and I remember my daughter said to me one day, we were driving and she said, dad, I'm so sorry this has happened to you. And I said, don't ever be sorry for me. It really, it kind of knocked me out of feeling sorry for myself. I said, honey, I said, things happen and we have to learn from them. And we have to reflect on why we are in that situation. And then we got to determine how we're going to move forward. And that conversation I had at the time with my, um, gosh, how old was Carly then? Uh, Probably 16 years old-ish, right in that range, 15. I said, uh, it it hit me that, you know what? This is a great learning lesson. It's a great experience to understand how intense politics really are. And I mean, I, I thought I'd learned it, you know, I thought from, my doctor program and being a mayor, I really set myself up to really understand superintendents world, right? <laughs> well, this other this other experience really gave me the the reality of how hard this sometimes can be mm-hmm. and and how you can't feel sorry for yourself. You got to reflect and learn why are you in the situation and then what are you going to do differently moving forward? And out of that came the Winters Joint Unified School District Superintendency, which was one of the greatest experiences of my career. We did such great work there. Um, and, and I was, and, and all of a sudden, you know, from feeling like, oh my God, am I out of my career to feeling like you're at the top of the game presenting at conferences of the things you're working on and doing in your district. You know, that's funny about that, right? Cause I'm in a really difficult super intensity right now. There's a lot of challenge here at, at Lake Tahoe and a lot of cultural stuff I'm working through. And I'm dealing with a lot of negativity and people trying to come at me and, and I, and I go back to that experience and go, it's okay. You know what? It's not about you, right? This is about the district mm-hmm. and it's about leadership and it's about doing the good work and stay that path. And I think that lesson of that challenge I had in that one experience that all of a sudden had me feeling down and out mm-hmm. um, and having that. And as my conversation, with my daughter, <clears throat> I'll tell you, my daughter is my truth teller. <laughs> my daughter's the one that will, will say something and you go, oh crap, you know? Yeah, I got to think about
0: it. So, <laughs> how did you how did you get to the other side of that? Because I mean, that's uh, um it sounds like you somehow were able to make it through that and uh, in in way, which which I guess is like that's that's pretty rough. You know, it's one thing to have some negative or challenging people, but for it to be at that next level where it's actually people go to that public. You know, how do you like as you look back? How did how did you and end up on the other side with a bit of a positive mindset about it.
1: Well, I think a couple of things, and again, why I said that conversation with my daughter really hit me that hey, I can't here sit here and feel sorry for myself, right? That's I'm not that's not the role model I'm going to be to my daughter, but it's also not who I am and not what I'm going to be. That's number one, right? So I had to be like, okay, what can I take from this experience and learn from it? And, and be better at this world of, of, of school leadership um, and, and, and working with communities and working in politics. What can I take from that? And I think that that mindset drove me. And I got to tell you, I probably interviewed for more superintendent jobs than anybody in the world, it felt like. And I just kept, I just persisted. And I persisted. And, and, and search consultants would back, do the background and realize there was nothing to it. Um, and I just persisted and finally I, I got that job. And so I would tell you that I just realized that I could not sit here and feel sorry for myself. I had to be willing to push through and and, and work hard and be, and be positive. And I will tell you this, this interesting piece. I was a finalist a, a few times that I didn't get the job. And And as I reflected on the interview, I realized, Oh, crap. You know what? I'm carrying some of that baggage with me in that interview. I'm not, I. I you know, I. I, I it's got to not be part of my world. I I. have to learn from it. Reflect. I, I would say this to my daughters. You got to reflect on it, determine what you would do differently, and then let it go. And, and it was that moment when I realized, hey, I think I'm not getting some of these jobs because I think it's still lingering. I'm still having that. <laughs> that negative kind of feel about it. And I had yeah. to let it go. And the moment I let it go, all of a sudden, I had a couple job offers and I, I took the winner's job and it was great. <laughs>
0: uh, I love that about your your daughter. It seems like um, sometimes we get really caught up in our own heads and there's nothing you can do. It's not like you can flick a switch to get. It does sound like that she, by asking you that question, you realized, oh, wait a second. I
1: being a role well, model as an
0: educator ed- well I, I can hear how important to you it is to be a role model as and so it's like i have to, to actually like what lesson do i want to teach her um and but like like you said just, as a truth teller it was that question that almost your head outside of your perspective and, and uh what, what an amazing, amazing um <laughs> what an amazing
1: daughter Absolutely. It's funny is, is, uh, you know, I have two beautiful daughters and and been married 27 years. And, and, uh, and I will say this, I'm a much better husband today than I was 27 years ago, you know, right? Because you're always reflecting on, at least I am, reflecting on how could I be better? And, and it's, it's the family, it's the children that actually will call you out and say, Hey, yeah, you're not necessarily being, the best you right and they don't necessarily say it like that you know if they can listen for it differently but they'll tell you and it's a really great thing
0: yeah that's what that's uh that's wonderful um as you as you sort of think back thank you so much for sharing about that particular story i'm just one aha moment that comes to mind for you maybe in um across your career where there was something where gave you a piece of advice or there was a situation where you and the team had a had a win or uh yeah can you
1: you know John, I, I would say this that, that there there are so there are so many moments that i cherish that like i'm, I'm running through my head for you right now thinking okay what would which which one would i share there's so many really amazing moments of working with people and And so I don't know if I have one that just specifically stands out. But I want to say this. The day I realized that the people in the room are all bright and intelligent, and if we work together, we're brilliant, was I think the day that my work really shifted. And it became where I didn't have to be the the expert all the time i didn't have to know everything my experience will be my experience and i can help people through so many components because i have so much experience but i think the biggest trigger to the successful moments of my career have been when i realize wait a minute the people that are around me have the have have the answers and it's just my job Mm. to create an environment where their brilliance as a group, along with mine together, right, it comes out. And, and so I, I don't know if there's one specific moment like that, but I will tell you, I, I do a lot of work with my leadership groups. And, and we spend a lot of time on building the team and getting to know each other. And what I've experienced, especially in these last two superintendent roles that I've had, is that when you spend that time, when hard things start to happen, that people come together and find solutions that work, and and so there there are a few moments I'm thinking of in my mind, and and and, and just thinking about the times around COVID and the difficult challenges and and the fight over whether we are a mayor of face mask or not, and it just. And, and sometimes we all get worked up with so much of these pressures that happen. And what I really realize is slow down and let the people around you help work through that. And what also helps with that is that they feel confident to do so, feel empowered, and, and are, are much better le- um, leaders within the organization. So I don't know if I have one specific element, but it's those moments that when that synergy of people working together happens that have been the greatest moments of my career and and it's not been anything that i've specifically done but other to create that environment where we can do that together
0: yeah i I love it reminds me of when i was chatting with someone about boards because i've always found boards and governance really fascinating for me like i i've always understood executive teams much more clearly because you're implementing an and you know, for me it, it's always been like really trying to get my head around well, what does that exactly look like and I was chatting with someone I was saying so what does a chair do um I remember mm-hmm. he said to me oh look the, the chair of a board really more than anything else is um the person who gets the right people you know in the room in terms of on the board and helps to facilitate mm-hmm. their expertise around governance and I thought that's really helpful, but it it's also stuck with me because I think there's a lot of truth to that for all leadership roles. The more you can, like, it's it's less as government's doing the work. It's more about um, how you facilitate up on the board, who's in the room, who has the real expertise to get, rather than thinking it's for you. It's for you to do it. And I thought that's actually really
1: roles. Well, you know, and just to make a point of that, and I absolutely and totally agree with that. As the superintendent, you really work with two different groups. You work with your governance team, which is the elected board officials that, you know, elected by the community that come together and make decisions at a governance level. And it's the, the leadership team. It's the, it's the associate superintendents, the directors, the, the principals in the organization, right? And And, my, and I see my role, of leading both of those teams, the governance team and the leadership team. And, and what I've taught our governance team is that as the governance of our organization, you are the initial role model of the organization. So you have to lead, you know, with structure and vision and, and you have to think about what the goals of of, that you have. And, 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 and so lead with vision and mission and goals and guidelines and understand your role and then the leadership team has to take those vision and guidelines that you establish and go make that happen and and it's such a neat integral piece to being a superintendent
0: absolutely yeah well said todd
1: That's where you sort of
0: land it's it is what's
1: a lot to what other people, people or you've recommended it to other people you know, you just cut out a little bit, um, but uh, I, I, so I, I, I'm i not sure if you asked, but I thought what you said, what it was, a book that you yes. recommend?
0: Yes. Yeah, sorry. You I know. apologies for that. Yeah, it's a book that you've, what's a book that you've gifted to other people or huh. uh, recommended?
1: Oh, Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, gosh. I wish I... Now I'm not feeling it's the pressure of oh so many books. There's so many, by the way, John Maxwell's books on leadership to me are like the Bible of leadership. Just so you know, it's funny is when, when you talk to educators, educators are going to talk about, you know, books by a lot of different uh, current authors and researchers. Um, but, 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 uh, just to highlight, I really believe that John Maxwell's work on leadership and all of those books. Um, I will tell you, there's a book that I utilize with my governance, since we were just talking about governance team, it's called The Governance Core. And I think it's a have to read. And it's a have to read actually with your governance team as a superintendent. Um, and 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 I, so that's just one that's in my mind right now. Um, gosh, there's just so much reading that I've done over the years. and, I, and I'm going to draw a blank on them. Um,
0: no, that's that's I, right John Maxwell's a great recommendation as an author and then was it called the governance core?
1: Yeah so well, that's and that's a book that's the governance core is just a book that I want I would encourage anybody that's leading a governance team yeah, a yeah. superintendent a superintendent and the executive of any organization because the governance core I think really sets up how successful boards especially school boards yeah wor- work with their superintendent and and or, or chief executive officer and the community and how important their their successful work together is and and so that's just book that's in my head right now but uh you know what i i read a lot of leadership books and a lot of school leadership books and um and so I'm, i apologize i'm drawing a little blank on that
0: no 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 that's that's quite all right you've got a great recommendations there Uh, Okay, next question. What is a recent leadership lesson you've learned for the first time or been reminded of?
1: Recent leadership? You know what? (laughs) I I will tell you this, right? Um, And I've said it to, and I coach people on this all the time. You don't have to make a decision fast. The only time you need to make a decision fast, if it's, if it's for, like we're talking about school district or organization, if there's somebody on, with a gun on the campus, you better react and make quick decisions, right? But otherwise, you don't have to make any decision fast. You can take the time, make sure it's right. Think out the implications. Think, of, think you know, problem solve with the team. Don't do it fast. And there was a decision I made recently that was a little too fast. And it was a big reminder because it 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 did not go well and i had to i had to to deal with a lot of um challenge and it was a big reminder you know what and it goes back to the statement i just i made actually earlier right so we're we're bright individual people we can make decisions but when you can take the time to get to group of people that you work together and think about the brilliance of the group and look for solutions but also to take a, a decision you're thinking about and say, okay, let's punch holes in this decision before we actually make it. And, and I tell you, I recently made a decision too fast. <clears throat> and it was like, <laughs> you coach people, you coach people this on this all the time, yeah. and yet, and yet you made this decision because I was excited about it. I was, oh, this is, I told myself, oh, this is a great decision. I told myself <laughs> this, right? I was proud yeah. of it. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is it. And I went forth and did. And it really became quite challenging. And so that's the, that's the advice is, you know, you don't have to do anything in a hurry, unless it's an emergency. Um, You take the time to to look through the decision. You know, you don't have to overanalyze, but just make sure you take the time with the people that you, that you entrust to make sure it's the right decision.
0: Awesome. Yeah. No, love, um, love that story about how you need to, you know, actually putting, um, putting it into practice. The thing you might tell everyone else about actually slowing down and not making decisions too quickly. Last question for you, Todd, if you could only give one piece of leadership advice, what would you
1: say to them? One, one piece. Oh goodness. Do it for the right reasons. Hmm. do the work for the right reason and uh it, it, i mean i could expand on that right um and and, and i think that when, once you have the right reason is let, let let your vision as a leader drive you
0: yeah that's so good well um it's been uh, it's been such a joy to to hear a bit of your story you want to find out more about the district and also potentially find you online, I don't know, on LinkedIn or Twitter, where can people connect with you and the district online? Uh,
1: yeah. You know what? The best thing for to find me is at Todd Cutler um, <laughs> on Twitter. Um, Todd, uh, Dr. Dr. Todd Cutler on LinkedIn. Um, you know what? I would love for folks to connect with me on LinkedIn. It's easy, I think it's the easiest way to find me by the way. Um, we have a company called the Cutler Consulting Group, which we do leadership trainings here in South Lake Tahoe and work with individuals. Uh, so you might find me on that as well.
0: Amazing. Well, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. What a uh, what a wonderful episode. It's been really fun to hear some of Todd's story and he's been so vulnerable sharing his journey. Don't forget, I also have the Jono White Leadership Podcast and the Leadership Question of the Day Podcast, two other places you can go to continue to invest in your leadership. Finish today by saying a man being so generous with your time, Uh, and And, uh, like I said, sharing a story, I think it's going to encourage a lot that no matter what they're going through, or no matter what bad things are being said about them sometimes as well, that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And and what you shared about letting go was really powerful. So, uh, thank you so much for coming on
1: the podcast. What a pleasure, I appreciate it, and uh, thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict.